Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the UW Film Club podcast, where each week we invite a member of the club to come on the show and talk about a movie. That movie could be either a good movie that they really like, a bad movie, or something topical. This week, it's going to be very, very sad, good movie. <laughs> it's a very sad movie, yeah. Uh, as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Louis Gallup. Yep, Louis Gallup. And uh, we are joined today by a film club member, Stephanie. Uh, how are you doing, Stephanie? How's it been? I'm doing really well. Uh, I'm really glad you guys watched the film and you feel as though your hearts got crushed like mine did. Yeah, which film are we <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Atonement. Yes. 2007. Atonement uh, was picked by Stephanie here and uh, I'm gonna just say this, you know, to start. I was never gonna see this movie if it wasn't for the podcast. Yeah. Because it is not something that I will generally be interested in. I am not a fan of war films. I'm not a fan of uh, period pieces, generally period films. But I am very happy that I've seen this movie because it actually surprised me quite a bit. So thank you for bringing it to us. You're welcome. So. Uh, I said what I uh, needed to say for my first reaction. Uh, what was your first reaction to seeing this movie? It reminded me a lot of La La Land, the ending, and then except this mo- this one was much, much more depressing. And I was just, I was like, oh, you totally faked me out with that. And I was, I was really upset and I had to go to bed just like right <laughs> after watching that. And I was like... That was a that was that was heavy. Yeah, it it really was. Um, and I, I, like I, I was pleasantly surprised for the first two thirds of the movie. You know, because like I enjoyed everything that was going on there. It was really interesting. I really wanted to see what I, what was going to happen at the end. But then the ending comes, <laughs> and I'm just like depressed now, and I I don't want to feel like that generally. So. Yeah. You know, it's a good movie that I can't like knock it for for having a sad ending, but god damn, it was very sad. Yeah, uh, Greg has just finished it. Yes, he literally just watched full, the ending. Full disclosure I hadn't seen the last 20 minutes, and we had to delay the recording of this podcast because uh, I was gonna go in and like, you know what, last 20 minutes, I'll, I'll just go in, you know, it's my own fault for missing this. Yeah. Stephanie and Louie had insisted no, we, we had that I watched the last 20 minutes, and uh, I'm glad I did because, uh, whoo, <laughs> the feels. Um, but yeah, going back to Louie's point, this is a movie I probably would have never checked out. I know it got nominated for Best Picture, mm-hmm. but um, uh, I'm not a big fan of like British dramas. My parents, when they were younger, or when I was younger, uh, would put on British dramas on TV, and I always hated them because I always thought they were boring and there was nothing going on. And it was just, as a kid, you don't pick up on, on like drama very well. Yeah. Like these dr- long drawn out dramas, you just don't like them. So I've always had this subconscious um, dislike for British dramas. Um, but, oh man, this one's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, this one is it's pretty good. So let's, let's give a you know, short synopsis of how this uh, kind of starts, you know. Uh, like, Always, you know, when I'm looking, when I searched for atonement on Google, like it always says, you know, it's a war movie, it's, it's a war it's a film set in the, you know, war era, but it doesn't actually start in, you know, war. It starts in 1935, and I don't know why people gloss over that quite a bit. Like, the majority of this film isn't war, it's, the majority of, the, if, of this film is just drama, it's just like weird... Uh, situations. Mm-hmm. It starts with uh, Saoirse Ronan in this movie. Uh, she, her name is Bryony, I think. Bryony Tallis, yes. Bryony Tallis, but yeah, played by Saoirse Ronan. I think she got an Oscar nomination. She was not, she was 12 and she was nominated yeah. for Best Supporting Actress. And it, what an achievement. Yeah. And it, it's totally deserved because she is great in this movie. So it starts out with her seeing something out of her window which she doesn't understand. And it forces her, no, it doesn't force her, she gets this idea that uh, the person she used to know is just a sex-crazed freak, basically. And so, 
meanwhile, that person isn't actually a sex crazy. That person played by James McAvoy. I don't know who what his name is. Robbie. Robbie, Robbie Turner. Robbie Turner. Yeah, uh, he's not actually a sex crazed freak. He just really likes uh, Kira Knightley's character, who I also forget. I'm Cecilia. Not that good. I'm not that good with names, as you can tell. Yes, Cecilia, and uh, that that aspect that was very like I didn't expect that to be a thing at all. When when people say war film, you just like oh okay, I'm gonna watch a war film. That's what it is. But that that really hooked me, and as soon as. Uh, you know the scene. We also get Benedict Cumberbatch in this movie, which is very interesting. Uh, thoughts on Benedict Cumberbatch's character? Well, this is before he becomes like a big name. So like, um, he was in Starter for ten before this, and I think that's like the that was like a movie with I a heard. lot of British, uh, you know, stars yeah. right now. Like, I'm, I'm actually gonna pull it so up. So I'm maybe I'm presenting like a false narrative here. But I thought he always got big around like Intimidation Game. Like around that period of 2014-ish? No, not right? around Sherlock? No, no, Sherlock was really Sherlock good. was, yeah. I was oblivious to that. <laughs> Sherlock was, I assumed the Intimidation Game came around, he was in like everything and every kind of like news article I presented to me at the time. Yeah, like, I guess if... He for this, doing this. I guess you, if you're talking about like a US type, because like I, I remember, I remember he, hearing about Benedict Cumberbatch quite a bit because of Sherlock. He's in Sherlock 12 Years was, a Slave, too. Really, and he, he was in 12 Years a Slave. But Sherlock was really popular mm -hmm. uh, in Dubai, where I used to live. And I have a feeling that it was, you know, a worldwide phenomenon, to be that honest. That was the impression I was under. Yeah. I definitely watched but, Sherlock as it came But when came it out. came to the U.S., like, it, it was pretty surprising how not that many people have seen it, mm -hmm. have seen Sherlock. And that's, I think, where, where he gets most of it. It's great. Oh. It's a great... I got familiarized with him with Star Trek Into Darkness, where he plays uh, Khan. Yeah, yeah, that's oh, yeah. Where I got oh, yeah. Him. And that was 2013, and then after that, that's when there's the for me personally, that's why I see the cavalcade of uh, Benedict Cumberbatch films. Because then it goes to Fifth Estate, uh, Twelve Years a Slave, The Hobbit movies, yeah. and Intimidation Game, and yeah, from there it's it's we'll say a lot of stage plays. It looks like yeah, he does quite a bit of those. Mm -hmm. And then he did Doctor Strange. Yeah. And he is Doctor Strange right now, still. Um, yeah, no, I was just talking about Starter for 10. Uh, this is a very nice movie that I actually have never heard of before. <laughs> it just, uh, it was on TV like at one point in time when I was in Dubai in the summer. Uh, and it, it has a stacked cast. James, Mc, you know, James McAvoy, Benedict Cumberbatch, Alice Eve, Rebecca Hall. Dominic Cooper, uh, James Corden, and Catherine Tate, who is in uh, The Office. It's just really interesting uh, with this movie and the, uh, you know, and Atonement, seeing, you know, stars before they yeah. really get big. Yeah. Well, I had a similar thing with um, Ben Cumberbatch's in War Wars, which I had just seen recently. I'm like, oh, <laughs> he's in this. And Tom Hiddleston in also that movie. Oh, wait, okay. Yeah. Oh, I kind of before I, see that, was, that was a movie also before War Horse. I think is a little um, like people like people trash talk that film a lot, but I think it's pretty good. Like right, it's well. not as bad as everyone makes it say out because they're like, oh, it's just about a horse. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, cool. And it, it, it is War Horse is so overt in its appeals to emotion, like super Spielberg is oh. in that film, mm -hmm. and that's what I kind of got with this film. Not so much. I'm thinking, for me, in terms of feeling, I'm getting a vibe of uh, Catch Me If You Can vibe. Not as, like, Catch Me If You Can is a more, a more upbeat, but in terms of appealing to emotion, that's the kind of vibe I got a Spielbergian vibe with this film. Mm -hmm. It's really overt, and it also really works. Sometimes films can be overt with their appeals to emotion, and it doesn't work at all. But with this one, it all is well-constructed, and yeah. it really works. I was very, very surprised by the level of, uh, you know, technical uh, achievement in this mm -hmm. film, actually. Like, a lot of the shots I, are really well constructed, and there's like a really beautiful shot where uh, James McAvoy is, you know, in, 
in I think France in like Dunkirk. In Dunkirk, yeah. yeah. yeah really. But before before like they go to the beach when he's before he's about to see like the dead bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a shot where like uh, the the colors get much more vivid, and then they die down. And I really really like that shot. Plus, the, the Dunkirk shot is one of the most popular continuous shots ever. Like that, yeah. people like like to go to that and cite it as being one of the best. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. It's good, uh, but. I mean, it's amazing, though. I'm not gonna die. It's just that I, it didn't really, wow. it didn't really uh, <laughs> grip me that much after you know seeing you know Dunkirk, like the movie Dunkirk. Because yeah. if I had seen Atonement before seeing Dunkirk, I would have not liked Dunkirk as much. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I guess I need to start watching these types of movies more because had the wrong opinion you know Mm. they could be pretty good yeah i'm definitely i guess the opposite of at least louis like (laughs) i am such a sucker for like world war ii dramas um not like the weapons like shooting shooting on the like i liked dunkirk dunkirk was good but like normal like just a lot of shooting things like that like i don't love that but I a lot i definitely appreciate movies that are about war conflict and how they affect just regular people and that's what this movie was for me sort of and then um so and also it was a drama and i was am going through a saoirse ronan phase where i saw you know the lovely bones i saw brooklyn i saw Lady Bird, and i was like oh my gosh i'm obsessed with this actress and then this is her breakout role and so i was like well obviously i have to watch this film and i was really really surprised by how like emotional this was yeah uh, i like how they you know they don't go with time and in a linear fashion at times like basically there's you know when you see uh see something and then you actually get the yeah what actually happened that confused me at first but then after they repeated it a couple times yeah. and then i was like oh no <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's 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 soul crushing, but uh, very very. Do we want to just rip off the bandaid and talk about the ending? Yeah. Okay. So because for me, I had just seen this like as I mentioned before. I've seen this a few minutes ago. That's like all I think. I think. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's bad. So uh, Greg, you know, you're it's fresh in your memory. So why don't okay. you take this? So as Louis mentioned, this plus mouse before. Basically, Saoirse Ronan's character has lied about James McAvoy's character and said that he raped the cousin of Kira Knightley's character. Mm-hmm. And that Kira Knightley character loves James McAvoy's character. And so, essentially what happens is, because James McAvoy's character is blamed for um, raping this girl, underage girl, um, he is sent away to prison. And the only reason why he's sent away to prison is based on Sir Sharon's testimony mm-hmm. that says she did it. Yeah. Now, up until this point, they search Ronan's character. I should probably just get names for these characters. I keep saying yeah, Bryony. 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 Bryony here. So Bryony uh, doesn't have a firm confirmation on it, but she basically lies because a she has a huge crush on James McAvoy's character, yeah. Robbie, mm-hmm. and then because she can't have him, and also because of the fact that she misunderstands. Their relationship. Yeah, she's like is. a writer with like an overactive imagination. Exactly. Um, she pins it on him. He gets sent away to prison. Um, to get out of prison, Robbie uh, accepts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, uh, he accepts being drafted into the army, where he survives Dunkirk. But conditionally. So, <laughs> the bet, so I'm not spoilers here with the ending. Yeah. So he goes to Dunkirk yeah. and gets it, comes back. And then they have this huge aftermath part where they're, they're reconciling and they're doing atonement, which is like they're reconciling their past events and making up for it. Yeah. And you think that Robbie and Kira Knightley's character, Cecilia. Cecilia they get back together. They get back together. Everything's made right. Uh, Brian is making, she's writing a new testimony, and then they cut to a present day clip, kind of similar to how Titanic does with the old lady. Yeah. And the old lady is there talking about her book, and in it, when she's talking about this testimony, not testimony, when she's doing this interview about her new book, 
she basically says uh, Robbie never survived Dunkirk. He died at Dunkirk. The, the day last... he was about to be evacuated. Yes. And Cecilia dies in a bombing. One of the she dies in a flooded uh, subway tunnel when the Germans bomb France. And they never have this reconciliation that much of the second half of the film is predicated on. Yeah. So it like rips, it absolutely <laughs> rips the rug out from underneath you. And then you're like, oh my god. Just, just so, oh, so devastated by the fact that now she, the Bryony's in real life writing this book with this narrative that is about um, atonement. It's about like her reconciliation with past events and she's writing this false narrative of what she hoped had happened because she's so remorseful yeah. over her past actions that she did when she was so young. Yeah, no, it's... Absolutely It's just crushed, man. It, it just... Uh, like... It's, it's, you know, very depressing and I really, I really wish... Like, I... They just didn't have that last part. Yeah. You know, I, it would have been... I would have been okay with it, you know? I get it. You're doing something unique with the, with the really, really sad ending, but... Sometimes, you know, I just want to feel happy, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, after all the suffering, I just want some You just want to root feelings, for something. You know? There's this one review on Letterboxd at the very top, right at the very most recent review, and it says, don't fucking lie. It's <laughs> <laughs> just so good. Like, um, I think the, the, the end, she goes like, the truth is, Robbie and Cecilia never reunited. And then they're, they flash, flashes to a shot of Robbie dying on the day of and then Cecilia floating through yeah, the flooded tube and I was like it's not even subtle you know they're yeah just they just like, like nope they alluded to it though because in the film he's he goes into that dream sequence that dream with sequence with his mom yeah yeah but that kid's still you know I was like I was I like didn't believe it though I was like oh he's just hallucinating he's gonna get like super close to death there's gonna be like a dramatic rescue scene where Cecilia bursts into the hospital and like reunites with him and then it didn't happen it doesn't happen yeah because I think there, there's at that point where he like dies and actually think there's an editing they do an editing um, thing I think it fades to black in like this really really weird way where it's like it stands out you're like ooh held a little bit that's held a little longer and then it wakes up and says uh you were screaming and he's like oh, i was and then that's when the false narrative kicks in oh oh man but wouldn't that be wouldn't that be not the day of because that would be right before that'd be right yeah. before like when he sees his mom he's like this he like takes off his shoes and then he goes and settles down like this mm -hmm. bunker, and that's where he dies yeah, he but he dies not after the screaming. I think the screaming... No, he wakes yeah. up and then they say... Yeah, I think... He says, you're screaming, and that's where he kicks in and says, oh, I was... Oh, you're saying... I'm just saying, saying he's that's so real. Yeah. Oh, then he's... And then so after real. that, he goes and back he to dies. bed. And he actually dies, because he dies, like, right after. And I feel like that could still, you know, that, that could still make sense, because she could just have an account of that other dude, and it would be... Yeah. Would be uh, you know because she did say she had first-hand accounts of how prison was and, and how the war was, so there's you know it's very likely that the you know the false narrative begins like actually you know you know without him dying like that dying thing just doesn't happen because yeah. they they do a time skip right they don't really actually show uh, you know any. Uh, like between that, after that, after he goes to sleep, it cuts to three weeks earlier mm -hmm. with Brian, right? Okay, so, so I'm looking at the thing right now. So he sleeps and it goes to that fade, right? He has that match where he's reading the letters uh -huh. and then it fades into that dream sequence. And then he wakes up for one more time. He says, yeah. This is actually devastating now that I think about it. He says, Will you do me a favor? Will you wake me up? before seven yeah and he doesn't wake up but it's so <laughs> yeah. sad yeah it's just it's devastating uh there's also like one additional uh, you know devastating thing it's like they couldn't even just have the you know when she's saying that she's writing Bryony, like older Bryony, when she's saying why she's writing the book it's because she's dying too yeah she's written 21 prior books she's written 21 novels and just and like now she's dying like we 
we don't see any of the 21 novels we have. We just see her. But that's, I think it's part of like, Remember when she's in the, the London thing and that lady comes up here early at night and then she's like, Yeah, yeah, no, I know that she started that. Like It's her first one that she started. The last one that she started. I'm just saying, like, he couldn't even give Bryony a break. He had to also have her be dying as well. Like, nobody got, like, for, Lola marrying for me, Paul. Like, yeah, nobody nothing, got a break in that film. No one got a hand with Lola, the cousin. Yeah. So, the, wait, what was, what was that about? Was that, like, okay, so that forced or is that consensual or was that? No, it's forced. I think the whole idea was that because in the, the summary on Wikipedia, the they talk about how after Lola and Paul marry, Lola can't testify yeah. against him. So I think the implied thing is that Paul married Lola because he was afraid that maybe in the future she'll realize and she'll like he married her so she couldn't testify against him because mm -hmm. wives can't t like the whole like don't in since self incrimination it extends to your spouse. Mm -hmm. So marrying her meant that. Even after Bryony changed her testimony, like yeah. she couldn't even get Lola to side with her. Because it was all, it was, I thought they were like, they wanted to be together because they had that weird exchange where he's talking about the chocolate. Uh -huh. And it seems like they're having like this, like, really, like, positive relationship. But then you see that she has like those, um, the wrist burns on yeah. her hand. And then you don't make the connection either, but that's him trying to force himself onto her. Mm -hmm. And it's not yeah. actually her brothers that do that to her. Mm -hmm. And then it's later on that he does it. So it is not consensual. It's not. No. Okay, so no, good it's detail. It's the, yeah, though. Yeah, I thought it, when they married, I thought it was um, like they had just like love each other. No. 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 <laughs> no, I don't think, I don't think that's that. I mean, she, she, when she sees Bryony, like at the end, she's getting out. You know the the cousin when she sees Bryony, she actually puts her head, head down. down, and then I think the Paul floor. like looks back, and then she like grabs him and stops him from looking back, like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and yeah. So like it's, I think that's like a subtle hint that it wasn't all. It wasn't peachy. all, yeah. Because <laughs> when you when they get caught, the shot is so quick mm -hmm. um, that you can't make out any discernible details, which is yeah. part of the reason why she like. She's not really certain herself. I mean, she mm. is certain because he, later on they show that one shot. Yeah. Uh, With yeah. Face. face. Very mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, this, that was, yeah, no one gets a happy ending. So that's really, and it's all because of one lie. Like, that's that's just, the root of all of this. Mm -hmm. One lie is the root of all this pain. Mm -hmm. I see. It's crazy. Ah, this is so sad. Like, imagine if, if Saoirse Ronan, if Bryony had never looked out the window. Yeah, no, it's things there is, so different. There is this thing of like pending fate and one action, like the butterfly effect, it's like one, one action yeah. affects the other thing. And I think what really helps this film is how, like it, it, it has a good comprehension of time and distance between events. Mm -hmm. So we did talk about like flashing between certain moments, right? But I think We've been with these characters for so long. The time of the movie has been so long. It's been over several years. The war's been going on. And after two hours, you, you think they're gonna get back together and then it, it, it like undoes the last hour. It says what happened in the last hour didn't actually happen. And that, because you've been there and meeting on to believe something for so long, just in the way that these characters have been, have been living with this for so long, I think the notion of having, um, that time correspondence really helps with the devastation aspect because you're you're so in on this idea for so long. Yeah, no, it's it's but I, but you know I, I kind of noticed a little bit like of a hint from you know older Bryony when she's saying firsthand accounts for all that. Uh, she wouldn't have to say that if she like interviewed you know. James McAvoy, like if she interviewed Robbie and Cecilia, mm -hmm. yeah. she would say firsthand. Once we skip the modern times, yeah. now we know something. Something's, something's up. up. Something's, something's up. up. Yeah. Um, if you guys were Cecilia and Robbie, or in their position, and like at the end she says, Bryony says, I don't think of this as you know repentance or making up for what I did, but I think of it as like a last, a final act of kindness. How would you feel? Like, oh, you mean like if we were if we were still alive, basically? Well, like from what do you if you had Robbie and Cecilia's point of view, hmm. 
what would you think of Bryony making this her final act of kindness? Like, oh, <laughs> well, it's contingent on other things. So, like, I don't know because they like... die, it makes it even more sad. Yeah. yeah. But if they were alive, it wouldn't be sad, right? Or would it? Would it have one person that died? Right. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! That's yeah. another dimension where one oh, person, man. like oh, say if Cecilia or Robbie had died, and it's either or they're left alive, right? So then, then how does the film deal with that, right? I, I like the idea that they both died because it's they, they, they. She can't reconcile with either person. She's purely that. stuck with this guilt. She's purely stuck with this. She cannot. Reconciled with anyone. That's true. That's why I think it's like so devastating that she's lived her entire life with this. But to answer the question though, uh, I don't know. I I think of it basically as uh, I guess Bryony trying to, you know, just leave it behind her because she's dying basically. I think Bryony's trying to forgive herself. Yeah. I don't think it's like a last, yeah, I don't think it's a last act of kindness because. The people are dead, you know, what's that act of kindness going to do, really, they're, it's just, you know, they're in the grave, like, there's nothing that could... Part of that, part, part of that ineffectiveness, of like, that insincerity of forgiveness, like, say, that is her own atonement, that's yeah. the only way she can achieve it, but the fact that you, you know that someone died, like, it is not this written word on the page that can make anything better, yeah. like, yeah. people died many years ago, and this is because of something, I think that... That gap between, like, like the the written word that she thinks makes things better, and what we actually feel as an audience is what that that gap is what makes it also more powerful. Like that ending is there's so many factors that go into this ending, and that make, makes it so sad. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's a sad movie. Right? It's like utterly depressing. It's like one thing you could take like out of this podcast. This movie is yeah, like, fucking sad. Like four, like half of this podcast we're just talking about the ending. Nothing else to acknowledge. I mean, like I think the the movie was set up brilliantly. Like they could have. There are movies with good stories that are executed really badly, or like they're rushed or they're dragged out too long. But I think this, like the pace of this movie. And the way that they they lead you on very calmly, and it's like how, like they're not obviously trying to trick you. Like you just genuinely believe it. Like I think that all just there was so many ways this could have gone wrong, and it it didn't really because we all end up like ooh following the narrative, and then it just gets stolen from us. <laughs> yeah. So I was just like that. Like it took a lot of careful maneuvering. I think. To be able to pull this off, and I think they really did that. I was also thinking about um, the shots of Search for Brian's character, where they have the three isolated time periods, like her younger age, her when she's a nurse, and when she's older. They have that one shot. Um, they always have shots of like black background, lit, evenly lit face, where she's confessing some kind of testimony. Mm -hmm. And those, those are also kind of signals saying hey here's a little little tiny like hint we're giving you a little bit of a bone we're throwing you say this is it has think about what brian is doing because this is going to come back later and it's going to be the twist yeah there's little like little flags now i'm thinking back like not only was it the mcavoy dream sequence a signal of his own like the, yeah. the inflection point there but also that one shot that recurs later on um where we get that um I guess the portrait mode. Remember on iPhones when it makes the, it's called the portrait mode and it's like it the, blurs the background. It's, it's that. It looks exactly like that. It makes the back all black. Yeah. And makes your face lit. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. The when she's isn't she like an elevator or something? Um, the first one when she's giving testimony and she's like, I'm sure. Oh yes, yes. The second one I think is when. Don't quote me on this because I'm hazy. I think it's when she's with that other nurse in the. Um, the other nurse, uh, when they're talking about the script, is that where it is? I think so, I'm not sure. I, I remember like an elevator one, like where the light keeps, you know, shining and like, like fading out. Yeah. And then coming oh out. yeah, that could also work. Um, I was struck by the scene, there's a scene where she's comforting like a soldier and like oh, she like yeah, undoes yeah. his bandage and his brain is right there yeah, and I yeah. was like, like, I think that was an important moment for her because she's, like, it's all kind of hitting her. 
Like, she's become a nurse because I think, she, like, maybe part of her guilt has just, like, I'm going to do something useful. I sent someone to war. I might as well be a nurse and, you know, help yeah. and repent for that. And then, so she, like, sees this guy, and I think she's just absolutely, like, horrified. Like, this could be Robbie, and I could, mm -hmm. like, I could potentially ruin things forever. And, like, I think that moment is important for her. And I think what you were saying with the dark background. Shot right here at... Yeah. 4.33, and then later on, like, right here, like, an hour 52, where it's also her at an older stage, and she's testifying again, and it's a new, it's a new, um, it's a new, uh, story of time. Oh, that, yeah, that's, that same, that, and that's, like, the age difference. I want, I could be wrong here, I want to say there's one in the middle, but I can't find it at the time bar. I think if you, like, if it's the elevator, one could be considered right after she, uh, just gets done with the in, cleaning, this, I think. in this town really plays an effect it's like the punchy typewriter right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you at first you're like okay ha 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 they're making emphasis on the words but it's like this it's the testimony like right the punchiness and the weight of the sound yeah. of the typewriter the finality of it yeah and the words that come the words that she write is like i guess the weight there are weight to these these type letters the things that she is typing has yeah. weight so no i mean Really does, especially since she kept it. She kept it for twenty one years, like. No, 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 longer than that. Like, no, no, twenty one novels. Yeah, so more than that. Uh, present. Day, what is present? Like, we don't really get present. Is like, is it two thousand six present day or is it like nineteen ninety? Probably present. Early two thousand seven or something. That's when yeah, the movie came out. Two thousand seven, so I would say it's around there. Yeah. Yeah, this, this movie, like, this movie doesn't hold back, like in terms of gore and stuff. When it, like, there's that scene on Dunkirk so. where they're just executing the horses, yeah. and they just they just do it so yeah. like blatantly, and I was like, oh, you're just you're just you're doing just gonna do it. You're not even gonna try and. <laughs> what do you guys think about like the emphasis of war, right? Hmm? Like for me, part of I'm trying to when they do that long take of the Dunkirk beach, right? Mm -hmm. They're emphasizing war. Um, and the one thing I'm trying to reconcile is why they put so much emphasis on the war effort or on the war itself. Is it because they are, um, he's trying to show his involvement, like what he's going through, or is it trying to show other aspects? Because I, it has like, it has the nurses, the nurses in the hospitals taking care of the troops. Um, I think it's just the, uh, it's like um, the fact that the war takes place, like how how it affects the lives of these people, you know, because we we get introduced to it to all of the characters before the war, you know, nineteen thirty-five, mm -hmm. and then when the war happens, you just have to see, like, you can't just you know do the thing a disservice and say, oh, this war is happening. It's doesn't really have an effect on what's going on with mm -hmm. the personal relationships, when in reality it really did back in the yeah, day. Because there is that one moment where. It where they're doing um, in the theater, they show the war clips, like the archival footage, yeah. mm -hmm. and it cuts to being um, one of the, the, the newsreels they played before a movie. Mm -hmm. I like it, there. I think there is something that Joe Wright is saying about the war, and I'm trying to find out. I just don't know what it is yet. Yeah, I because like, there is. I think the war is bad. Yeah, because like you know, there's there's that <laughs> there's the fact that like showing showing the suffering is just showing yeah. the suffering. There's something about that war aspect that I'm just not getting, and I just want to figure it out. Like, it's interesting to think about how, like, this sequence of events still could have happened, more or less, even if World War II wasn't happening. Like, Bryony still could have lied, like, Robbie still could have gone to jail, and, like, things could have still happened, but, like, I think you throw in the war as, like, a backdrop and then it just suddenly becomes a lot more intense. It also, it also, it's, it's the reason for the ending, really. Yeah, because both of them die. Both of them die because of the war. They don't die because of uh, anything else. They literally, yeah, they just die because of the yeah. war. I mean, the fact the that in, the, part of the war is a result of what happened in 1935, but, you know. It's also somewhat circumstantial, too. Yes. Yeah. Because I mean, imagine if there was no war, like there could, they could still be alive, mm -hmm. but he would be in prison. Yeah, and like maybe what Cecilia would do. Yeah, like just there's a very big like, um, what if and you'll never know yeah. aspect to it that just like makes yeah. it so upsetting. 
Yeah. Well, I want to read. I honestly sort of want to read like a the book. No, Wait, it's based on a real book. Yeah. I want to read the fan. So, wait, this, so this actually happened in real life. The I don't know if or it actually happened. It's a it's a book. It's based on a book. I don't know if that book is based oh, on a true story. That'd be really meta. Oh uh, yeah, it would be. That would be awful. <laughs> that would be I don't want to see that happen to like anybody I just, ever. I don't want to know, to be honest. I don't really want to know if it's a real story or not because if it is, it's just gonna devastate me even more. I don't want to deal with that. Um, but what I was trying to say was uh, this says it's a meta fiction novel. Okay, I don't know what that. What is meta fiction? Well, uh, fiction means it's not true. A form of literature that emphasizes its own constructedness in a way that continually reminds the reader to be aware that they are reading or viewing a fictional work. Yeah. So it's, I guess, fiction? Yeah. Nice. So it is a book, I don't know if that's not real. It's, it's a fiction within, it's like it constructs its own world, I guess, and it plays with its own world, supposedly. Um, I, I want to actually read like fan fiction. <laughs> just like alternate, alternate universes. Yeah, I, I just want to see what, you know, somebody writes something. Yeah. with those characters that does have a happy ending so I can, mm -hmm. you know, feel less sad. <laughs> yeah, this is a weird filmography for Joe Wright I'm looking at right now. Oh, he did a soloist? Because he did Pride and Prejudice and then Atonement, which are yeah. really widely, like, like well-liked films. did he do the Black Mirror episode of Nosedive? Yeah. Did oh he seriously? Oh, oh my, my goodness. God, no way. That is crazy. It is Darkest Hour too, but I didn't bother to see that movie. Oh, oh okay. Darkest Hour. That makes a lot of sense now. That makes a lot of sense. Those two overlap. <laughs> oh like, my god. Quite a bit. Okay, but uh, he also did Pan, so oh. like, let's, you know, let's tone it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he did Anna Karenina. Yeah, he, like, he and Kara Knightley have done quite, quite a, bit a bit together. Yeah. yeah. The pride, there's like Pride and Pride. And Saoirse Ronan and Hannah, what is it? Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. huh. That sounds interesting. I actually want to see that. But, um, Nosedive, like, it it kind of makes sense, but mm -hmm. it's such a different thing, too. But it, like, I'm surprised, but I'm like, okay, I could see it happening. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting. Nosedive for anyone yeah, who those... doesn't know is a Black Mirror episode. Yeah. Uh, starring uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, I think. Yeah. And it's about uh, actually now it's about real life because it's actually happening. In uh, if I'm not mistaken, there's like a rating system right now implemented in China. Yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> it's very similar. So yeah, it's about it's about a uh, society where there's like a rating system for everyone, mm -hmm. and you basically your life is just determined by your rating system. If you want to get loans. Your rating system, your your rating is the reason you're gonna get the loan. It's like your Uber score for everything. Basically, yeah, it's it's depressing as hell as well. It's got that like heavy like. And also, like, yeah, and it just it. and it's, it start doesn't start off too bad. You know, yeah. it doesn't start off too depressing, but just goes downhill. It nosedives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, no, it, great. You know, filmography so far. I mean, uh, other than Pan, you know. Has anyone? I haven't. I only th only thing I've seen on his filmography is Nosedive in his home, and everything else I haven't seen. Uh, Dark Star is not that bad. I like it. But it's it. like, uh, and Gary Oldman though he did, he would be my second pick for best actor. Uh, you know, because like Timothy Chalamet was my favorite uh -huh. for that year, but no, it's like he did deserve it over over you know Daniel Day Lewis and Tom Hanks. For their, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis and Tom Hanks performances. I think Gary was my second pick, too, because I was filling out the ballot. Oh, I don't remember who my first pick was. Like. Yeah, I... Well, it was obvious that he was going to win because he had won all the Guild ones, but... I think yeah, no, I, I was pretty certain he was going to win, but I really wanted Timothy Chalamet to win because he is better. No, I wanted Daniel Day-Lewis to win, uh, but no, he's already won. No, something. Daniel Day-Lewis, no. I'm sorry, but mm -hmm. not on the level of what he used to do before. I was actually kind of uh, disappointed in his performance comparatively, like in, in comparison to his other performances with De with uh, well, agree to disagree. Like uh, he, he's much better than There Will Be Blood. Yeah, 
Well, it's fair. Yeah. I mean, like, it's there will be blood performance. Yeah. It, for me, it's like, okay, well, the Phantom Thread is a banger. Yeah. So good. Phantom Thread is really good, but, like, uh, I think, you know, he's better in that than he's in Lincoln. For me, it's not like... I think he... I don't think he deserved Lincoln. I've uh, seen Daniel it. Daniel I'm so... Lincoln no, is good. It's good, I'm but the master, the master, Joaquin Phoenix, needed that. He, he deserved that Oscar for that year. The master was just so good. And the only reason Daniel Day Lewis got it is because the Oscars have a bias towards people playing real people. It just is how it is. It's also why probably Gary Oldman uh, got his Oscar. You know, like yeah. he's based on you know uh, Winston Churchill. So like mm-hmm. obviously he's a got bias. that like historical <laughs> like yeah. Yeah, and he plays. You know, he does a really really good Winston Churchill. Mm-hmm. So it's really easy to see. I, I feel like you know that's. That's a problem. That's not necessarily a bias with the Oscars, but it's really easy to see how well an actor is doing when you compare it to a real per- when you compare him to a real person, or versus like seeing how an actor is with an original character. Mm-hmm. But I honestly felt so much more emotion from the master Joaquin Phoenix versus Daniel Day Lewis. We don't deserve Joaquin. I wish he was a, a tad more selective, but when he makes a good selection, I'm like, this is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, no. It like, is. um, what is it? Like, the, the Joker movie, I think he can do it but with Todd Phillips at the helm. I'm a little I don't know. He, look, Todd it's, Phillips it's, it's is over and ward off. Yeah, I know. If Todd <laughs> Phillips just says, hey, Joaquin, do your stuff, I think we're going to get a good movie. And I'm not, I haven't seen Todd Phillips be the person to you know, basically force his actors to act a certain way. So I really think that Joaquin Phoenix's Joker is going to be phenomenal. I am very ready for that. Because it's Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin he's just a legendary actor. He's so, he does a lot of like great stuff. So he did Don't Worry You Won't Get Far Foot this year. You yeah. were never really here. Yeah, you were never really here. Movie of the year so far, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very well done. It's either that or blind spotting. I, at the time, we actually had that list, you know, when you had that question of the week, I said blind spotting, but it could be you were never really here as well for this year. I think it's either that or blind spotting. Both really good movies this year. You know what? I take it back about him being priest like this. He's like, he only does a movie. He doesn't do that many. Well, like, in like 2013, he's got three, three, uh, two, the immigrant. Yeah, that's supposedly very good, but was hated by audience members. Oh, this is really that movie? Yeah, it's pretty close. Cool. I think it's pretty good. Yeah. I no, take I, it back. He's, he's, he does he, a good role. I mean, he obviously, like, her, the master, and, like, that's really all you need to well, here, sort of find yourself as an, Here's as the as thing since 2013. It's her, Inherent Vice. Inherent Vice is great. Inherent Vice is weird because it's, like, toss-up where people don't like it because of the, the narrative. I don't think the narrative is the focus. The narrative, the narrative is like a noir, like super heavy. It's not like really convoluted heavy. Plot. It's not con. It's just it's you. They don't give you all the information. Right. I feel with inherent advice. They they tell you what every what, what's happening next, but it doesn't really necessarily tie. But in you have to keep all these main traits. It's a lot like the big sleep where the narrative is like part of the aspect, but it's not really what you should be looking for. Yeah. All right. So yeah, the. Yeah, so then, advice that after that. Then does twenty fifteen irrational man, irrational man. I that heard is, that was okay. Uh, um, then he does two years later. He does just like a break, and then you're never really here, which is Lynn Ramsey. Yeah. Then he does twenty eighteen with uh, Don't Worry, You Won't Get Far on Foot, which is Gus Van Sant. Mm-hmm. And then he does this movie called uh, Mary Magdalene. Yeah, yeah. With the uh, what's her name with the. Uh, with the French actress who was in Deception. I forget her name. Oh, no, Marion Collitard? Yeah. Rooney Mara. Oh, Rooney Mara. Oh, is it? Oh, my bad. Okay. No, I thought it was Mary. Yeah, no. So they're actually uh, in a relationship right now. Joaquin Phoenix and Rooney Mara, if I'm not mistaken. Oh. Yeah. Oh, so it looks like he's... Because this... The guy who did Mary Magdalene also did Lion. So it looks like he's trying to um, work with, like, good directors. Is what I mean. Yeah. So I take, I mean, back, I take back what he says about being selective with his films. He's working with great directors. He is. Paul Thomas Anderson is like what really got him on Spike, Spike Jones and Paul Thomas Anderson, you know, for the master that her really, you know, set him, set him like brought him to the 
the forefront. Forefront, right? And I feel like he's, you know, trying to go and keep with that formula, basically just working with. How does this relate to Tom? <laughs> yeah, this doesn't. Really Wait, how did we get here? What was the? the We're talking about the Oscars. Oh yeah. And then like. You know, like a huge rabbit hole. <laughs> Hey, you talk fine. about undeserving Oscars uh, for a long time. You know, Atonement, Atonement also uh, got nominated for Oscars, so hey, there is it did. one. Um, I think it won. One for score. One of them. It won for musical score, but it got nominations for picture, supporting actress, written, adapted screenplay, uh, cinematography, costume design, production design. So I mean, yeah, no, I mean, like it, it got. You know, all these nominations are deserved, to be honest. You know, the costumes are pretty well done. But I actually want to see what was in contention that year. That's that's a very interesting. That's thing. yeah. This is what was uh, this is the 2008 Oscars. Oh, right, so this, this is, is like oh, a big year. This is, I was in like second grade. This I was is like the Oscars where, then. Um, I think it's more that expand or something. Hold on, me. Atonement. So we're on the page. Oh, okay. Okay, great. Um, All right, so, so for best picture that year, oh, it was yeah. No Country for Old Men, oh, man. Juno, Michael Clayton, oh. There Will Be Blood. So oh. I mean, like you're not gonna win against uh, No Country for Old Men. Sorry. Or like, and you're also competing against Michael Clayton, which is and There Will Be Blood, and There Will Be Blood, which are both phenomenal films. Oh my god! So like, you're not gonna win like against two like There Will Be Blood and No Country for Old Men, like considered one of the best films of the yeah. new century, if not yeah. ever. So and you're I, not I, gonna win. Michael Clayton. Uh, very, very, uh, you know, overlooked. Like nobody speaks about it that much, but it's so well done. I think Juno's a little out of place. Juno's kind of out of place, but I mean, Ju Juno was a cultural a, thing. Like it was world. a good movie, but I don't. Yeah, I would agree that it doesn't have like the same like tone as the other ones yeah, in contention. Yeah. But it was it was very popular that year, so like, they had I to. love that one. Like I think Ellen Page was great so, in uh, Juno. But how about the? Uh, it was it wasn't a Daniel Day for. For who who won Best Actor? It was Daniel Day, Day, obviously. Best Director was uh, No Country for Old Men. So they is that their first or did they get another one? They got nominations for. I'm pretty sure that's their first one. Huh. So it's kind of like a Scorsese type deal where The Departed was his first uh, was his first win. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They got a screenplay in '97 for Fargo. Uh, yeah. That, but like best director, that's the first, right? Yeah. Huh. All right. So yeah, no, that was a, that was a good year. God, that was a yeah difficult <laughs> a year. Oh uh, wait, so George Clooney was also nominated, right? Yeah. Uh, what did that have to do with Tommy? No, this is Michael Clayton. I just love Michael Clayton quite a bit. Was James McAvoy? Uh, no, Kara no, Knightley and James McAvoy were not nominated. Yeah, I think I thought that was so interesting that Saoirse got the nomination, but. Do you think McAvoy went on to do like a bunch of X Men films after this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he did. Like that is that is his moneymaker, and he doesn't have to worry about cash probably ever now. But yeah. like also, I mean, he's doing. The, the split and glass thing now, so. Which is a great choice on his part. But he's also, he also was in Atomic Blonde, which is phenomenal. I love that movie. Really? That, that movie just looked kind of cheap to me. Oh, no, it's, it's really good. You really should check it out. Okay. It's, it was supposed to be. Very well done action. It was the female version the of the John Wick. John Wick, but I. You probably should have a female director, though, just to like. Pull <laughs> sure, yeah, true, true, but it's. You know it's well done, and I wouldn't I wouldn't fault yeah. it for having a male <laughs> director if it if it did. But I mean, yeah, it was it was just very exciting, and James McAvoy's character in that he's yeah. he's really good. Isn't he like comic relief in that movie or something? Kind of. He's like the inform. He's the is he the informant or is he like the the connection between the agencies, I can't He's like an, he's an agent, yeah, and also an informant, kind of, as well. Yeah, like, he's Victor Frankenstein. Filth is good. Filth is very good. Yeah. Not the... Oh, he wasn't wanted, I keep forgetting that he yeah. was like the main dude that wanted. That's, that's a movie. That was, that was an interesting Yeah, film. he's got a lot of X-Men stuff in here, this is just like... It's to not, be expected. Not fan of X Men, but each their own. Wait, he's gonna be in it, right? Yeah, the, he's playing one of the older kids. He's 
playing. Oh, really? That's, that's releasing next year, right? Bill Hader and Jessica Chastain. Yeah, no good, good choices so far. Yep. Um, I don't know who the other three are. Two are. Yeah, and it's gonna be set in modern times too, right? Like, it's gonna uh, be modern times. It'll be twenty-seven years after the first one. And when was the first one? Couldn't tell you. It was in the eighties. I would assume. So, twenty-seven years after the eighties is ten so years ago Seven. Yeah, that's the. When if, Tommen came out. Yeah. So I mean, sort of modern times, you know, like. You know, we we have we had the technological advancements out like smartphones and shit. I'm yeah. sure it'll be present day. You know, it could it could probably probably be like it's, I think it's about like it's gonna be like in 2011, 2012. Any final <laughs> any final thoughts on uh, atonement besides our Oscar rant for the last ten? Yeah. Uh, I after you know talking about it here, I actually enjoy it more because now you know I'm getting over the fact. It's a very depressing ending. <laughs> we spent like half of this podcast talking about I how mean, depressing this movie was. It really is, you know. It's just that's like a big part of this film, is just how sad it is. Anyways, last final thoughts from both of you guys. Stephanie. Um, I was a little bit surprised when I heard that neither of you had watched it before. Because I thought in my head it's one of those like up there movies that like movie geeks probably watch at some point. But I'm glad that I got you guys to watch it. No, I'm glad I did too. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad you got yeah, to watch it. Yeah, my takeaways is don't, don't be like Louie and I where you don't want to watch British drama period pieces. Definitely watch it. It's on Netflix. Check it out there. Yeah, it's, it's all, it, that's it the, is. Bring tissues. That was, at, at the start, that was like the only positive. <laughs> that was, you know, before like I knew what it was about. That was the only positive yeah. of the film was that it was on Netflix. But if you made this far, you probably, you, if you've made this far, you've probably either seen it or you've had the whole thing spoiled for you, so you may not <laughs> think it's as good without the twist, but still, definitely see it. I really enjoy it. All right, well... Uh, this has been a. This has been the Udo Film Club podcast. Yeah. The seventh episode. Yeah. Thanks, Stephanie, uh, for coming on. Thanks, Shane. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Film Club Udub, and like our Facebook page. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple. On Apple iTunes. Yeah. We're on a SoundCloud too, but yep. you know, I think who uses that anymore? To be honest. Yeah. We Unless do. you're a SoundCloud rapper. <laughs> I think uh, definitely iTunes is the way to go. Drop a like, a favorite, comment, subscribe, all yeah, that jazz. And we're still we're still working on that Amazon Smile link. It's gonna come. Oh yeah! Check out our MeUndies, our Casper mattresses, our Blue Aprons, <laughs> our uh, what else we have? Our Harry's razors. Yeah. All that all jazz. Club. We're sponsored, baby. <laughs> uh, real. Thank you guys for uh, checking out the seventh episode. We really appreciate it. Come back next week and see you later. Bye. Bye.